The average age of the first-time home buyer in the United States last year was 36 years old. So there's no way in hell that a 20-year-old can buy a home, right? Mm, big, fatty, wrong. This is Quaid, and he's going to tell you how he bought a home at the tender age of 20 years old, even after a so-called real estate professional told him that he couldn't do it, that he should just buy a mobile home instead. Now, let that be a lesson to everyone. If you're out there and you're a millennial or a Gen X or a boomer and you tell Gen Z that they can't do something, you better be right because you can bet your ass that they're going to research it and see if you're full of it. Play the music. Okay, Podcast Land, I'm here with another excited new homeowner. This is Quaid, and uh, he's in Idaho. Quaid, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing really good. Yeah, you are. You're a homeowner. That's what I yeah, love to hear. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, um, okay, so before we get into everything, I always like to ask right up top, what's your biggest lesson? People listening right now, they wish they were you. What can people do to be like you? What did you learn in the whole buying your first home process? I'd say like the main thing would be to trust your realtor. But then again, I also found a really good realtor from you through the unicorn system. And that was able, that was made me able to trust my realtor. And I got a lot of information from her. She gave me a really good lender. I worked with him the entire way. And yeah, I pretty much say just trust your lender. I mean, they've been doing this their career. You know, I totally understand why people out there feel taken advantage of or or yeah. cautious, right? Mm -hmm. That's because the industry sucks. And so, you know, that's the whole reason I bring you on today. I, I'm not selling anything. All I'm doing is matchmaker. Yeah. And I just want things to change for first-time homebuyers. So, you know, there's 200 episodes. I believe in this. And I believe that if you get the right person, it can be great. Mm -hmm. So that trust is, is crucial. But I, but I agree with you. The original sentiment should be trust but verify. Yes. You know? And I think the biggest verification is there's 200 episodes and a bunch of YouTubes and this is all I talk about. So, yeah, you know, yeah. we know the right people. Quay, mm. um, I'm old. You look like a young person. <laughs> How are you? Are you Gen Z, bro? Yeah, I am. Yeah. I'm 20. That means, that means you're how old? 20. Two zero? Two zero. Shut up. That's a sweet stash yeah. for a 20 year old. I do have to Thank tell you. you that. Thank you. That's mine. Mine would not have looked like that when I was 20, <laughs> which is ironic because now I can't grow hair on my head, but I can sure grow it on my face. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> dude, 20 years old. Okay. I got to go from the very beginning then. All right. What? Why? How? Who told you at 19 you should start thinking about this? Well, I've always been pretty interested in financials. Like I've always been good with my money. And at work, I listened to a lot of financial podcasts. So then I 
at night 19 i got an apartment me and my girlfriend were there and i got two months into that and i was like oh i can't do this anymore i mean i was paying like 1400 bucks every month for just rent and i felt like i was just throwing it away and i was thinking about me whether i need to go back to my mom's or figure something else out and i looked into getting buying a trailer house because like oh those are pretty cheap i can buy one of those and looked into that uh got a realtor realtor was like oh your lease ends uh march or april may 15th yeah i still have it (laughs) oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so the first realtor said we're gonna wait until your lease is over yeah, yeah. I was like, I'll contact you middle of April so we can start working on that. And I was like, okay, this sounds good. And then I was like, oh, let me just listen to some podcasts because that's that's what I do. I like listening to podcasts at work. Nice. I looked up how to buy a house and yours was the first podcast that came up was how to buy a home. And I started listening to that. And I was like, I think I actually can buy a house. Let me let me text David and see see what uh, what he can bring me. And he got me a uh, so realtor. Realtor got me a lender, and I realized I was like, oh, I qualify for a lot more than I thought I did. Oh my god! Uh, those of you not watching the video just missed my jaw drop and my eyes pop out <laughs> like a freaking cartoon. So you went to a so called professional. Yeah who said, why don't we wait till your lease is over mm-hmm. and didn't check to see if you could buy more? Yeah. Boy, that exactly. person's not going to be in the business very long. Um, yeah. I, and I always tell people, we're going to tell you what the maximum you can buy is. It does not mean that you have to. But if mm-hmm. you don't know, you don't have options. Yes. You know? And... Mm-hmm. Okay, so then this is a question a lot of people will ask me. Um, so I, I had in my notes here that you hit us up in August yes. of 2021. Mm-hmm. You closed just recently in April, right? Yep. Couple and your lease ago. is up in a month, bro? Yeah. Okay. Why did you decide to get into a home and use the word that people think is the devil? Double pay. How did the math work out for you that it made sense to get in before your lease was over? It, I, I would pay more if I was to break my lease than to keep it for another month. And so I decided just, just to keep it for, and then I have time to move out and have two houses. (laughs) So are you in the, are you in the apartment or are you in the house now? I'm in the house. So is all your furniture there or do you still have a bunch of crap at the apartment? Uh, I got a little bit of crap at the apartment. It's just knickknacks. Okay. But I'm pretty much moved out. So one of the things that I've explained in other podcasts, but this is a perfect place for me to explain this. Mm-hmm. You do your rent forwards and you do your mortgage backwards. So right now, when you're living in the house, you closed in April, right? Yeah. Okay. So today we're recording this on April 21st. So... Mm-hmm. Part of your closing costs was to pay from your closing date, which was, what was your date? When did you close? April 
third? Yes. Okay. So did you pay the whole month as part of your closing costs? Do you remember? Yeah, I did. That's why I moved my closing day upwards to okay. April third instead of backwards. And then I paid the whole month in my closing cost. And so I wouldn't start paying on my mortgage until June first. So that's the deal, gang. Seven and a half weeks that you can go to work and get a paycheck. Mm-hmm. And sure, you're paying rent at the other place on the first for the half a month of May or whatever's yeah. left, but you are not paying your mortgage because you pay your May mortgage on June 1st. So mm-hmm. that's confusing people out there. You pay, you pay your rent for May on May 1st for the privilege to live there for 30 days. Yep. You own the home, May, you live there for 30 days, and then they say, okay, pay us for that last month. So you pay yeah. backwards. So on the crossover time, as a buyer, you get that nice little breathing room where you can move slowly. And it's funny, I had an interview with uh, some other buyers recently, and they decided to try to do it all in one day. They had to be out of their apartment and into their house, and it was on Friday the 13th. And there was something like the truck broke down and there was all this crazy stuff and they had to get to there. They were signing paperwork to get the keys. They had to like go and they like had all these, it worked out, but, and then at one point they were parked and they didn't realize they were under a tree and they kept, it kept scratching on it. And they thought there was like a raccoon in their stuff because they were (laughs) hearing all the noise and they were like, Oh my God. But, but I said, Okay, you got lucky on Friday the 13th. You got to be like my boy Quaid. Use the breathing room, you know? Yeah, yeah. Don't don't try and rush it. Just Yeah, 20 years old. What what tips do you give people if, you know, let's say they're 26 and they suck at finances? You're Mm -hmm. good at it. Um, Like, for instance, what financial podcasts, uh, apps, spreadsheets, what do you use? Educate us, bro. I'm tired um, of educating everybody. I listened to the quite a bit of podcast about just like uh, DIY money was like a really personal kind of kind of podcast. And from there, I got a Mint Mobile, which helps me keep track of my spending. And for a tip that I just if somebody's like, oh, I just really suck. And you're you're really good. What do you do? I was like, for 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 that, I tell them just whenever you get your paycheck, pay yourself first, which means you put your money into savings, how much you want to save into the pay into your account first. And then whatever's left over is what you have. I think the podcast that's dropping on Tuesday, uh, of course, many of you are going to be listening to this in the year 2024. So, uh, but go back to episode 181 and you'll hear somebody say the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, another, another buyer. It's a, it's a process that a lot of people find it different. What you, it's the way people usually do it. They buy a home or, or, or they get their budget and then they, uh, figure mm-hmm. out what all their bills are and then they spend money for the month and whatever le- is left over, they put in savings. Mm-hmm. It's a real simple switch. Yeah. Pay all your bills and your last bill is your savings. Then whatever's left over is what you spend. So that depends on if you are going to go to the movies and buy the $7 popcorn or if you're going to use your $15 Netflix subscription and buy the $2 microwave popcorn and stay home. 
So do you find that you are, uh, because of that, did you find, do you feel like budgeting is a sacrifice or do you feel like, uh, you're still living in the, the means that you enjoy just with money going aside? I think that I live beyond what just my means are. I mean, I still feel like I spend too much and I should budget more, but I, yeah, I don't feel like that I'm kind of strapped down with how I budget first and then have my money to the side. I, yeah, I definitely say I live, I live a pretty good life for, for that. That's nice. You know, I, there's a, a podcast I started listening to recently, um, uh, a real young millennial progressive gal named, uh, uh, oh gosh, I forgot her name, but her podcast is called Her First 100. Mm-hmm. And she talks, she, she talked one time about how uh, budgeting is like dieting. Uh, most people think dieting is taking away things. It's restricting things from you, just like budgeting. It's yeah. sacrificing, it's hurting, it's, 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 it's not being able to have all these pleasures. Mm -hmm. Whereas the diets that work aren't like that. It's just a lifestyle change where you take in things that are sure, you know, could eat a a whole chocolate pie for dinner. But, you know, when you replace it with just a lifestyle and you have a, a fitness way of living, it's the same way with your budget. And, now that you're sitting in your own house at 20 years old, bro, you are set. Are you excited or what? I'm very excited. Yeah. So tell me about the process because everyone, you know, uh, now, now that you've given us these great, and I do like Mint Mobile a lot too. I think it's a great one. The simplest thing is whatever works, automate. Yeah. Whatever it is, automate. Mm -hmm. And there's, we have more tools than, than we did 15 years ago. That's for sure. So So you you reached out in August, you closed in April. So what was the process for you in like those six, eight, ten months when you were home shopping? Were you shopping the whole time or did you from the beginning figure out, okay, I need to save up a little bit and then we're going to go? I was talking to my realtor and she was saying, she's like, you, you probably should save up some and then we can start actually looking at houses because I don't want you to find a house that you really like, but you're not ready to buy. Nice. So, yeah, we waited a little bit until we started actually looking at houses. And I only started looking at houses beginning of 2023. And it just took a couple of months. And the process was, it was, it's strange to me. It's like, I would listen to one of your interviews on your podcast. And I would hear about somebody like, they, they have like a horror story or something something went wrong and i was like oh i don't know what's gonna happen and it was just weirdly seamless and easy it seemed like bro do not apologize for that say it again (laughs) (laughs) it was was easy it was easy i love it coming in prepared is one of the reasons why it was easy for you having a great unicorn team is another reason why it was easy for you Mm -hmm. um I think if you're brand new to the entire home buying process and you've never heard one of these other interviews before, he started getting service from a professional real estate agent and a professional lender who 
you are, love you, and this is no diss on you. We were all 20 once. Probably one of the lower commissions that either one of them made. Yet, they worked with you for free from August through April. Mm -hmm. That sort of dedication and the fact that they were like, they didn't try to shove you into a home right away. Yeah. What what did you end up what down, kind of down payment did you end up having to save for? Um I already had the down payment saved. It was only three and a half percent. And then so you were saving the closing costs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which uh if you haven't listened before, can maybe two to three percent. It mm-hmm. could be. So you were looking at homes in the two hundred thousand range in Idaho. Yeah. And you needed to save up about five or six percent of your purchase price. Yes. And your real estate team suggested that that you wait. Did you do any sort of uh, window shopping or neighborhood shopping? You know, knowing you weren't going to go and put offers on homes. Yeah. Did you narrow? Did you narrow things down during that waiting saving period? I didn't really narrow it down. I'd say. I mean, the whole Treasure Valley of Idaho is something that, like, I just wanted to live in. I mean, my dad's my dad's shop is, you know, five minutes down the road from here. And so I didn't narrow anything down. I was like, I was just thinking Nampa is a great area, and I would love to live somewhere super close to the shop. And, yeah, we got a great place. So you were looking at the very beginning was was your unicorn team telling you yeah you can afford nampa mm-hmm. we just need to save to this amount yeah yeah they on the uh, mls search site that they were using um they also added just surrounding cities like behind me uh there's caldwell which is it's cheaper to to, to buy a house there but it's just 20 minutes away from work and my commute to work was probably like one of the biggest things to me. And so I was like, yeah, it's, it costs less, but you know, it, it 20 minutes away, 40 minutes a day. Yeah. 40 minutes a day, five days a week times. How long are you going to stay in Caldwell or whatever that town that you said was, you know, yeah. that's a, that's mm-hmm. a lot of life. And there yeah. are, and what was great is that you were giving the option like, well, you can afford this town, Nampa, that you want to mm-hmm. live in. Yeah. Let's just, as opposed to going, uh, call me when your lease is done, I'll put you in a mobile home. Yeah. So, <laughs> exactly. Dude, that's crazy. So a couple months looking at, any any tips for people when they're house hunting? Um, Not really any tips. I I don't think that I had too many too many problems there at all that I would be able to tip on. Did you have any major things that you said it has to have this? Not really. No, no, I didn't, I didn't say it had to have that or had to have this. I, I looked at quite, I mean, a lot of different types of houses mm-hmm. like this, this, what that, was the thing about this one? The age of it. I liked, I liked older houses because of the, the room to remodel is it would be a little easier than a, a newer house and um 
and yard space. That that was something that was also was something that I had to have. I just had to have a, a decent sized yard to where I could move around and do what I want. That's just crazy to me. It's like you think about I so many twenty year olds I know all across the country who you know I mean two months in and you were like renting this sucks. Yeah. And now you have a big old fat yard. That's mm-hmm. so incredible, man. Yeah, I love it. Oh, that's awesome. Um, okay, so then uh, what are you, you're, I, I would have a guess, but what are your plans since you own property at 20 year old, at 20 years old? Like, what are your plans now that you haven't spent 10 years renting? You know, the average age is 36, bro. Last year, first time home buyers. Really? You are 16 years ahead of the curve. Go into any like financial amortization or like a stock market thing and, you know, put $200,000 or, you know, whatever you're down. Let's say, just put your down payment, put $20,000 into some kind of calculator that tells you what happens if you gain 4% interest on it for 16 years, mm-hmm. how far ahead of the curve you are. What's your plan? What do you want to do? Uh, is this your forever house? I know, right. Or do you have no idea? Uh, so, I have a pretty short term plan, I guess. I mean, for the house, it's not my forever house. Definitely. I know that. Cool. Um, I have some remodeling to do in the house. Um, I'm adding in a bathroom. Going to redo the cabinets in the kitchen and just just a couple other things that I want to do. I mean, adding a a bathroom smart. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's three bed, one bath. And I was like, eh. Yeah, but that's what happens with the older houses. See, I know this because yeah. I do this every day, but I see, I know exactly why you started looking at the older houses because you get the three one for a better price. The mm-hmm. plumbing's there. Yeah. You put in the extra bathroom, suddenly it's a three two, and you have that giant yard. Yeah. So you can expand into the yard, or it can be something that somebody else can look at and go, I can expand if I want to make my three bed two, my three bedroom, two bath, a four bedroom and a bonus room. There's plenty mm-hmm. of space. Yeah. So what's the plan? Do you want to keep this one or do you want to sell it and move up? Um, I'd probably sell and move up. I definitely, I want to have a career in the housing industry. I'm not sure if that's, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure where to start in that. Not start, but I'm not sure where I want to go with that. Bro. Are you buildering? Are you gonna are you, are you gonna call me and ask to be a unicorn? What are you doing, man? Uh I like construction a lot. That's all that's all okay. I've ever done in my life. And so I'd probably be a builder. And but I want to own quite a few doors. I love it. Those of you not investing folks, owning doors is the big real estate term that we use. Uh like if you own uh an apartment complex with 10 units, that means you have 10 doors. So uh, let me give you this little insider tip. As you're buying your home and fixing them up and selling them, mm-hmm. as of right now, tax laws could change, but federally, uh, you're going to get capital gains tax. $250,000 for one person, $500,000 for a married couple. I know a lot of contractors that buy a home, fix it up, and then sell it 
and you're not paying for the labor, you're just paying for the materials. Yeah. And you get, if you are $250,000 worth of equity, you get all of that tax free. Really? I know a lot of contractors who move houses every three years or so. The law mm -hmm. is you have to live in it every, you have to live in it two of the last five years. Okay. So I know guys that will live in some place for two years, maybe pull out a home equity loan, use that to buy the next house, keep finishing the first one because you don't have to live there for the full five years. Mm -hmm. As long as you, as long as your mail went there for two years, have both houses fix up the other one, especially if the market's going up. Yeah. Sell it and you get 250 of it with no taxes taken out of it. That's nice. That's really nice. So that could be a situation that you could look into. Well, you're yep. already you're already in the position that uh where was your where's your mortgage payment compared to your rent? Are you paying more at this point? I am paying more. I'm paying five hundred dollars more. It's uh I was paying uh fifteen hundred at my apartment and now I'm paying two thousand. And your and your total your total all in cost to purchase the house? were what's that three five percent on 200 uh this one was 275 okay this house and so my total cash to close was 13 000. so for thirteen thousand dollars now people are gonna say well wait a minute but yeah but it costs them five hundred dollars more a month what's your, what's your personal rationale people are sick of me saying that why do you think it's a good thing to have put $13,000 into this and pay $500 more a month? Um, I, I'm getting a lot more house, like a thousand square feet more house. Damn. And, and uh, so I have two extra bedrooms that are just like nothing. I'm, I mean, I'm in one of the spare bedrooms. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a bunch of our stuff we haven't packed away. And... For one of the other ones, I'm getting a roommate in about a month. She's great. And so that's that's where my extra jump up from my rent to mortgage, that's that's where that's going to come from. And so I'm not really paying any more. Yeah, you're, you're house hacking, bud. Yeah. That's awesome. That's like a lot of people will tell me, well, yeah, but the, you know, the, if you're living with roommates and stuff like that, it doesn't make any, well, why don't you just be the landlord? You mm. know, if you're going to live with roommates anyway, instead of all of you pitching in and paying somebody else, they can pitch in and pay you and you can still keep the same payment, you know? And then when later on, as life goes on and, and you're making more money and you're, I don't know, fixing and flipping houses, yep. then you're going to be able to, then it's going to be a more comfortable payment for you. Mm -hmm. And, but that's, that's awesome that you're going to be house hacking. So, wow. Okay. So you did it. It was easy. It was easy because you had a unicorn. Uh, you broke your lease. Like, dude, you're like seven podcast topics in one interview. You've hit all the things that I want people to do and you're doing it. So mm -hmm. that's amazing. Well, yeah. uh, I, I want to keep checking in with you, Quaid. I want to know what's going on. Yep. Um, I, I highly recommend that you keep listening to all the market updates because uh, if you're going to get into housing, you got to make sure you know when things are going to slow down a little bit so you don't put all your money into a project and then suddenly the prices stay flat. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? 
Yep. Yep. Yeah. So keep listening. Well, thank you so much. And um, I'm sure that your your lender and your unicorn realtor and your unicorn lender are both going to be keeping in touch with you and um, excited to hear about all the things that you've got coming, man. Yeah, they will. Yep. That's awesome. Quaid, you're the bomb. Dude, I'm so sad. I was 20 <laughs> years old. I rented and I just kept renting. Yeah. Oh, good for you, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Congratulations, buddy. Uh, I'm excited. And I'm I'm mostly excited because uh, I don't know too many people in Idaho and uh, I have a place to stay when I go there now. Right? Right? Yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. good. You got you extra got rooms. That's what I hear. Okay, good. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Quaid. Thank you very much. It was good talking to you. Damn. <laughs> Any uh, millennials or Gen Xers out there listening to that interview with the 20-year-old Quaid and fighting some serious feelings of inadequacy? Look, though I empathize with you uh, as an old man with a microphone, drink, I can share my gray and thinning-haired wisdom with you. Uh, ego is probably the biggest hindrance to wealth. So having an open mind and a curious mind is going to make you more dollars than having a proud or envious spirit. So let the kid do his thing and let's try to learn from it. So I'll just give a brief recap. And then I have a very important, very poignant closing point. Poignant closing points. Try saying that. Uh, The recap it's going to be brief, and that's because uh, I think you just go back and listen to him. Um, I mean, who am I? Uh, I'd rather let the freaking 20-year-old tell you how to buy a home. I've just been doing this for 17 years. Uh, the cool thing is that he realized early that he didn't dig the renting thing. So he started trying to figure out what else can I do. Um, so he implemented that super clutch, pay yourself first. Reverse your budget. Missy Elliott style. Is it worth it? Let me work it. I put my thing down. Automate reverse it. That's my version. Yeah, pay yourself first. Make your monthly savings a bill, just like utilities. And then that way you can't dip into it. Pretend it's your internet bill. I mean, if you know you're barely going to be able to pay your internet bill, you're not going out. You're not going to the bar and spending money because God knows you can't live without your internet. So you have to put your savings in that same kind of category. So Quaid used the pay yourself model and he used Mint Mobile. uh, That's the app to help him organize his budget. And did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said about his budget? His budget was not denying himself. It's like I said about diets. It's not denying yourself what to eat. It's just improving and changing a lifestyle of something that you can enjoy. Quaid said he still lives, he still spends, he said he still overspends. Because once you get used to it and you go richest man in Babylon and you go 70, 10, 10, 10, if you don't know what that is, go find it in the old episodes. Uh, It's amazing what you can do. And what's really cool is it's amazing when you can find out what you can do with savings when that savings is real and not just theoretical. You know, like, well, someday I'm going to save 10 grand and then when I do, I'm going to do this. It's really interesting what happens because when you actually have it in the bank because you saved it, and of course, like Quaid did, he saved it without denying himself living. Well, 
when you actually have it, then you actually tend to really go out and see what you can do with it. <laughs> Instead of, you know, when it's theoretical, you're not running out and talking to a banker, a finance guy, a tax person, or even a home mortgage and home realtor person, because it's still theoretical. You don't actually have the money. So trust me, it works better when you pay yourself first. But again, I, I encourage you to go back and listen to Quaid. That Freaking 20 year old was better than I could ever tell you. But let me break down something that he touched on. I would like to expand on his numbers. And I want to expand on his numbers to help you expand your mind. Too often, first time home buyers, they get caught up in the so called expense of owning a home and they fail to recognize what I've broken down right now for you in two massively important factors. Now, hopefully, once you understand these factors and you see it, then your brain's going to open up. You know, I've been seeing these videos uh, all over social media with like real young kids who are getting uh, either ear implants or ear surgery, uh, kids who were, you know, either completely deaf or leaning towards deaf. Have you ever seen those videos the first time they hear their mom talk to them, the first time they hear their mom's voice? And you just see like a a toddler or even an infant and their eyes get all big and their mind is, you can just see it. This mind blown. That's what I'm going to try and do with you right now. Because I understand a lot of you out there, you're scared or trepidatious, my favorite word for scared, or you're timid or you're concerned, which I don't blame any of you at all. Nobody has given the general public the 20s and 30-something out there, the the metaphorical ear surgery to open up and blow your mind. So all that most people out there know when it comes to buying a home is fear. And so unfortunately, the numbers they have are incorrect and they're using limiting numbers and limiting ideas to hold them back. So I'm going to give you two epic ideas to help open all your minds to embrace the concept instead of fighting it because you don't have the information. Okay, first run. Every month, many of you out there already pay for shelter. And as I said before, we are not taking a brand new payment on. We are simply replacing the payment we already make with a mortgage. Uh, Now, so many of you pay a rent right now. And you also might pay a savings every month too. You put some money away. Maybe you pay yourself first, or maybe you just do it when you've got it. But either way, some of you pay both of those things. Now, by paying a new mortgage, and so say that that's even an increased mortgage, well, then what you're actually doing is by paying a higher single mortgage payment, you're, you're really combining your old rent payment and your old savings payment especially if part of your savings payment is putting money into retirement accounts. Now, of course, that's only if you're paying over what the company matches. No matter what you're doing, always budget to get whatever the maximum match is. That's free money. Okay, so back to it, though. If you have rent and a savings payment and you replace it with a higher single payment of a mortgage, then what you're doing is you're combining a savings payment And the rent payment, which now you're actually using towards something. Because remember, that rent, that's dead money. And so what you're doing is you're making that work for you in a forced savings account. And if you need to to pay a little more to pay that higher mortgage payment, well, then you just think of using your old savings payment into a different savings asset. 
your home. So that's the first one. Now, number two, here's where I'm going to break down some numbers for you. And we'll use Quaid as an example. Many people think that they run their numbers on a mortgage calculator and instantly they're like, well, forget it. Can't afford that. If I do that, I'll have nothing for savings and then I'm just going to be house poor. So first of all, I want to say to you, uh, regardless of my terrible impression of whoever that guy was, I actually agree. I think it's awesome. I'm glad that you are thinking conservatively. And I never want anybody to stretch beyond their means. But the pendulum has swung too far the other way now, and people don't realize the potential if you actually look at the numbers. Let's look at Quaid as an example, and we'll get into the real numbers. Okay, uh, $275,000 house, I think it was, right? Uh, $13,000 investment. Okay, now he had to put $13,000 down. Plus, he had to pay $500 more a month than he already was paying in rent. Damn, that ain't chump change. I get it. I mean, you're you're probably thinking, okay, great. So $13,000 now plus an extra $6,000 a year, that's pricey. That's something we got to really, you know, hold back on. Okay, well let's let's run the numbers. $13,000 investment at $500 more a month. The average age of a first-time homebuyer last year was 36 years old. Okay, so that means that Quaid made this decision to invest that $13,000 and pay $500 a month more. And what some people would say is, oh, now you're going to be house poor. You should have waited to the average age of 36. Okay, so if we're doing that math, then we're saying for 16 years, he's paying $500 more than what he pays right now, and that's 96 thousand extra dollars that he's going to pay, right? No, just absolutely not. No. Think about it. If you're 28 to 40 right now, think back to your last five years of rent. Think back five years ago. What were you paying? Raise your hand if your rent has gone up in the last five years more than $500. Do it. I don't care. I don't care if you're on the gym, at the gym or on the train or doing dishes or walking the dog, raise your hand. Okay, what about $300? Raise your hand if that's you. Cool. Wait, stop. Don't do it if you're driving. I am not going to be responsible for the dumbest car accident of all time. So right now, there's lots of people out there raising their hands in public or at least thinking, <laughs> Sedoni, there's no way I'm raising my hand. I'm going to look like an idiot. Great. Uh, glad that you didn't want to raise your hand and look like an idiot. But I will like to knock down your ego a little bit and let you know that if you are young, and currently, according to me, uh, anyone under the age of 53 is super young, then talking about being house poor because your mortgage is higher than your rent, you will not be house poor for long because that new, more expensive monthly mortgage payment is fixed. So think about it. It's, a, it's the graph of two lines, your X and Y axis, right? One payment that 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 payment that's higher the new mortgage higher than your payment now will draw that across the x axis right from left to right but it's a straight line cuz it's fixed and yes that's going to be higher than the other line that's your rent that's going to be lower down the y axis on the far left uh and it's going to be lower than your new mortgage but take your average rent increases for the last 5 to 10 years Come up with a number, okay? Say it's 100 bucks a year if you average it all out, all right? And then you're going to go up and across 
moving up the y-axis. Now, how long is it before those two lines cross? How many years is it going with rent increases before you connect with that house-poor fixed line? Let that sink in. Draw it out on a piece of paper and watch your eyes bug out when you actually see it written out. So in reality, if Quaid as a 20-year-old is paying $500 a month more, not chump change, that is expensive, I get it. If his rent were to go up $100 a year, which is actually really low compared to what I've been hearing while I've been doing the podcast, uh, if all you do is count the monthly savings, then those lines are going to cross and he's going to be break even in five years. But that's only accounting the very basic, simple math there. That does not account for the savings that he gets by replacing the dead money rent payment and using that and thinking of it in your brains as five years of investing into a saving and appreciating asset. Oh, and by the way, he also said he's going to house hack so that he can pass the break-even line, uh, pass that that line going up the y-axis. He's probably at the, like, let's say he decides to house hack at the end of the year. If he charges $501 or more to rent a single room, uh, then boom, he's already passed it. So only a year was he paying and being house poor and paying too much. Oh, and uh, uh, by the way, um, because if he did this for 16 years, okay, uh, that would mean he'd spend $6,000 a year, $96,000 extra payments because he bought 16 years before the average age of 36 years old. But if we calculate the appreciation in the home, and I'll even calculate it at a very modest and conservative rate um, over the last 100 years, let's, we'll say 3.5%. Well, at 3.5%, his $275,000 home will have increased in value by $220,196. And that's a conservative estimate. So even if you aren't thinking about the rent replacement uh, and you're going, it's $500 a month more, I don't care what you say. Cool, $96,000 more. But rent is definitely going to go up and it's not going to be $500 more forever. And fine, let's say he stayed in the exact same place and he could have rented for the same price for the next 16 years. Well, for $500 more, yeah, he paid $96,000 more, but he made $220,196. And finally, oh, by the way, most of you guys out there listening to this, you're probably younger or you at least expect to get some increases in your salary as you go older. Go older? <laughs> oh, when you get older, you say dumb stuff like go older. Oh, get ready for it, gang. Here it is staring you in the face. Oh, no, I'm in your ears, not in your face. So understanding that by budgeting and planning for the now only and not for the, your potential future, most of my first time home buyers are expecting some sort of promotion, salary increase changes in their life but they end up planning based on where they are right now. And by planning with the right now, it creates a really intimidating picture because you're thinking, I'm locking into this thing forever. That's not the case. It's a far less intimidating picture when you realize the potential. Don't overdo it, <laughs> but realize the potential. 
And especially when you see if you're locked into a job that you know you're going to get a three or five percent increase, add those numbers in. Makes things feel a lot better, especially because the new number that you're calculating with is fixed. So as we uh, kind of figure out all these numbers and those things that I'm trying to help blow your mind, um, I just want to make sure, you know, a lot of people go, oh, gosh, not everybody should buy a home at 20, David. Don't tell everybody that. Well, of course not, you know, but for some of you, maybe you're like me at 21. I probably could have, and I definitely should have, but there was no podcast to tell me what to do or in Quaid's situation, uh, no podcast to make him understand that he needs to dump the chump that he was talking to and get himself a unicorn support team. Now, once Quaid did that and he put his trust in his pros and his guides, well, then he was shown things that he never expected were possible. And in fact, that the other people told him were not possible. Now, I want to be clear. Again, just because that was right for Quaid, and I think it would have been and should have been right for me, doesn't mean it's right for everyone in their 20s. Some people got things to figure out. They got worlds to explore, adventures to be had. What I truly believe is that that 16-year crazy math number that I gave you for Quaid, okay, because 36 is the average age and he bought at 20. I presented those to help blow your mind with those facts about appreciation, savings, rent replacement, and to help eliminate the fear. Now, it's really easy for someone to present 16 years of data and make anything look impressive. That's a good amount of time for things to really grow. But where I'm coming from with the revolution I'm trying to start on the podcast is I see many 30-year-olds that could be ready but they get caught in analysis paralysis. They wait, they calculate, they analyze, they get misinformation, or unfortunately, they get no information, and suddenly they're 36. Now, we didn't miss 16 years and have those gaudy numbers, but we did miss six years. So the difference isn't going to look as, you know, super crazy big money as Quaid's, but... The dream I have here on the podcast is to lower the average age of first-time homebuyers from 36 to 30. And no one's going to jump up and down and be excited when they buy a home in the first two months because you don't make $100,000 in two months. Uh, you know, it's going to take 10 years before people call me up and start sending me gifts. But the deal is, I've seen this firsthand and many 30-year-olds could and and really probably should have with the right plan, instead of waiting till they're 36, they could have done this at 30, which would have given them six years of really good, solid, stable finances, put them in a great position. And I don't think it's their fault that they're not doing it. I think the industry has done a just piss, pistol Pete, poor job of educating and empowering would-be home buyers. Did I get away with that? Can I still not have my explicit uh, ranking or whatever you call that? <laughs> I'm mad about it. I think it stinks. So who are you out there right now? Are you listening to this because you're a 20-year-old hardcore planner who wants to retire at 40? Sweet. Follow Quaid's plan. With the right education and support team, you can do this. Or are you a 20-year-old that has no clue what you're going to do with your life? And you just want to listen to this podcast today because you're like, I want to see how that dude did it. Brad, do your thing. Live your life. You do you. Just remember, as you cruise along, at some point when you settle in, I don't care when it is, 24, 28, 
32, 36. Whenever you settle down and you start paying rent and you start signing leases, don't wait to start running the numbers. With the right guide, you can do this. Or are you a 25-year-old and you're just settling into a good gig right now and you're pissed off that that 20-year-old did this and you're like, dang it, I want to do that. Cool, you can do this too. Or are you the other 25-year-old who wants to bail, go live off the grid and do van life, live in uh, you know some cool Airstream somewhere? Rad, you do you too. But just hear me in the back of your brain. The moment you settle somewhere at, well, I don't know, 28 or 30, the moment you sign a lease for like a real legit adult apartment, that's when you should be starting your last lease ever program. So you can buy a home at 30, 31, 32, and you don't end up being that stat at 36 years old. So you 25-year-old with stuff left to do, you can do this too. Or are you the 30 to 40-year-old who has unfortunately recently been adulting with a lease, an apartment, a job through a pandemic (laughs) and then come out of the pandemic and now you're in a crazy housing market? I get it. Maybe you're just gearing up to think about this around 2019, 2020, and then and now you're like, Oh, and then it came out of it. Now things are crazy. And now maybe you're thinking the only thing that you can do is wait for some drastic drop in prices or interest rates so you can finally make this work. Well, for you, I say you don't have the 16 years of gaudy numbers, but you've still got an X and Y axis and that flat line is still there waiting for you. And waiting for the market to move, it's a game that I've seen people play for far too long and I've been watching it since 2012. And it's unfortunate because a lot of times people just don't have the information they need to properly assess where they're at and where things are going. I get it. Not your fault. You didn't know. But take my mistakes in my 20s, all right, and turn them into uh, your, your, your positives, your windfall. What the heck does that word mean? I didn't have time to look it up, so we're not doing it. What does that mean? But, you know, take my mistakes in my 20s and turn them into things you can use in your 30s because... I'm now in my 50s and I am so sick and tired of seeing a boomer run real estate industry rig the deck, jack up the system and screw people over by not offering you the information that you need to understand the most important thing about this whole thing. You're out there, you're renting, you're an adult. Well, guess what? You can do this. 